0: Art. Isn't it funny how hard it is to start making money, making art, but you're not alone in the unknown of making money, making art. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Making Money Making Art, the podcast where we have transparent conversations with artists about money and dive deep on all aspects of creativity. I'm Kate and today I have a little mixed concoction, some pomegranate juice with a splash of champagne since I was finishing off the last of the bottle. (laughs) i'm actually in the middle of writing solo for the first time today i hosted a patreon live stream and a twitch stream earlier and managed 2740 words finishing off chapter one and most of chapter two for my hallmark submission and i am not stopping anytime soon my co writer and i are supposed to meet up in a bit and i'm hoping to finish a zero draft of chapter three um, of my Hallmark submission because of course my co-writer and I are also submitting our story for the Hallmark contest, <laughs> so lots to do before the evening is over. But I did need a break. My wrist is still recovering from a bout with carpal tunnel, and as taking care of ourselves and treating ourselves was an important part of today's conversation, I figured there was no better time than to take a break and film the intro for this episode. Uh, but before I introduce you to this week's guest, I do want to shout out a couple of people who were so kind as to leave reviews for the podcast. I had I didn't even realize we hadn't yet. So thank you so much to GC Rocks with all the Zs. <laughs> and RZ Reader over on Apple Podcasts and everyone who's rated it on their podcast platform of choice. I cannot thank you enough for the reviews, for the ratings yeah, it, it was wonderful to see. But without further ado, this week, I had the absolute pleasure of chatting with USA Today best-selling author Regina Duke about her career author earnings, what it's like to get that title of USA Today bestselling author, and how she juggles multiple series, one of which her Colorado Billionaire series is up to book 12 with a goal to release the 13th later this year. But she doesn't just write romance, she also publishes horror, sci-fi, nonfiction, vampires. She enjoys short stories, novellas, and novel length work. And when I I look at someone whose career I'd I'd like to emulate. It is Regina, you know. She's writing what she wants and publishing what she wants, and and just enjoying the ride. Uh, Now, Regina started self-publishing over a decade ago, so I especially wanted to pick her brain about the different trends she's seen, how that affected her sales, and if she had any guesses for the future of self-publishing. And on a personal note, it was such a joy for me to get to chat with someone I've become friends with over the course of the pandemic. So I hope you enjoy hearing from Regina as much as I did. Regina, hello, are you ready? (laughs) I am ready. All right. I'm going to ask you the first question, which is how much money do you make from your creative endeavors?
1: Okay. That's a very good question. I started in um, 2011. So I've been doing this for over 10 years. I did really well for about five years. And, And then things have petered out, partly because Amazon has changed. So um, if you like, I can give you a summary of how those years went and, and what kind of money we were actually talking about. I would love that. Yeah. I can be more precise about titles sold every month and that sort of thing, because on my history page on Amazon, they just lump 11 years worth of royalties into one chart. So I have... A big number there, but most of that came for during the 2000, I would say 2013 to 2016, 17. Those were my big years money-wise. And some things happened in there um, that I think affected that. During those um, the whole lifetime of my career on Amazon, I have... This is just U.S. dollars because uh, the rest of them are in foreign currency. So I'll give you an, a full estimate at the end. But I've sold uh, or earned royalties of one hundred and twenty-six thousand six hundred and fifty-five dollars for ebook sales. That's that's gross. I didn't get to keep all that. <laughs> I and then, and I've also during that same period earned. Um, as as Kemp pages. People who are in KU who then Mm -hmm. borrowed my books and read my pages and everything. Um, That started in 2015. So 2015, my earnings, they were still pretty good through 2017, But my source of income changed. One of the big aspects of that change was most of my book sales, actual title sales, were much reduced. But 75% of my income, which was still considerable then, were Kemp pages read. a lot of my success, I feel, had to do with luck and timing. Another thing that has affected number of books sold, etc., is when they initiated Kindle Unlimited, your ability to offer free giveaways was affected. You can still do a free giveaway, um, but you're not going to... Well, for me, I can only talk about my experience. <laughs> for instance, in 2014, um, the biggest number of giveaways I did in one month was 91,000 and some. And during that month, I sold 1,523 titles. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was no Kindle Unlimited then. And the following month I sold 1,600 titles and then 1,300 and so on. So a giveaway Back in the day, in the 2014s, that you knew if you gave away a ton of books, people were going to read it. And then a, a substantial portion of people were going to come back and buy your next book. And so that would generate sales over the next few months. What happened in 2015, when Kindle Unlimited happened, people would sign up for that service. And so why would they care about a free giveaway? They could get your book free anyway free in quotes, air quotes here, anytime they want because they could borrow it through Kindle Unlimited. Right. The power of the giveaway for the author, I think, was just like wiped out. Um, After that point, after Kindle Unlimited, I think um, I'm looking at the free book giveaways I did after that. Uh, One was like, I gave away 2,700 books. But I also sold 1,100. So it didn't affect my per unit sales for the first couple of years, but it did later on. Uh, mm-hmm. I gave one month, I gave away 3,163 books and uh, they paid for, or I sold 1,011, that kind of thing. After that, I kind of got tired of giving books away. Not really. I still mm-hmm. give books away, but but I... um. I didn't see any point, you know, in trying to um, do free giveaways. I'm not, there's no way if I do a free giveaway now, I'm not going to hit 91,000 giveaways. On the uh, other side of things, in August 2015, July 2015, I signed up for the KEMP program, K-E-M-P. So the Kindle Unlimited people who, the page is read. And that worked out really well for two years. And in the first two years, I averaged almost, oh, I would say between 800,000 and a million pages a month. Pages wow. read. Um, wow. The highest I had during that time was in June, 2016. I had 1,633,215 pages read.
0: Can I take a moment to pause real quick, Regina? I just want to ask you what it feels like when you hit that, when you're like, I, um, uh, over a million pages re- in a month. In a Regina, month. I, was, like I was feeling pretty good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was a very nice feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and they were paying more per page back then. So, yeah. you know, that was a nice month. Uh, and then about 2017, the number of pages read began to dwindle. And I think there are several factors involved in that. There are a lot more people publishing. The older the Amazon service gets, the more people are publishing. I don't know if you've ever looked at um, like the journal. Uh, there's a journal category people just put journals out. They put out a cover and then they put lined paper in it and maybe they have calendars in it or whatever. And I thought, well, gee, you know, they're saying that really sells, but I can't do that because I feel like I'm cheating people. If I'm going to charge money for something, I need to give them a story. And um, I found out, and I can't remember, my research was all online, but I cannot remember exactly where I saw it, that One of the oh, it was on YouTube. One of the authors who's famous for doing um, journals and that sort of thing has twenty-two thousand titles on Amazon. So, so yes, he's making you know nine ten thousand dollars a month, but he has twenty-two thousand titles on Amazon. So volume, volume helps. Yeah, yeah, and of course. During that time, these um, the money that was coming into me, that was all, th- those figures were gross. And I was not the smartest advertising person in the world. And mm-hmm. I don't do my own taxes. I have a CPA. But I have to keep all the records and all the numbers and everything. So I know that... For a couple of years, I spent way too much on advertising and most of it was on Amazon. So even though mm-hmm. it looked like I was making uh, like 50000 in one year gross, they got 20000 of that back in advertising. So maybe I grossed 30000 and then my other expenses came out of that. So it... They, the numbers sound really good, and it's really exciting to sell your books, but don't give up your day job. I <laughs> I was very pleased that I was able to uh, hire some part-time help during the big years, and um, I, I no longer do that. I can't afford it because I don't earn that much money, but that's okay. You know, it's okay. I had a really good run, and I still have people who follow me. I have 2,000 people on my newsletter list, and over 3,200 on BookBub, and I haven't even checked Goodreads and stuff. So I have fans who who look forward to my books, but I don't see myself ever having the kind of numbers I had during those four right. years, 2013 to 2017.
0: Yeah, well, you answered one of my questions, which was going to be, you know, how has publishing changed for you since you first started publishing when I was looking at, I thought I saw that 2012, but 2011, you first started. That's yeah. wild. I mean, I don't know that that's the the first year that self-publishing really got huge. It might've been a few years before then.
1: 2010, I think was the big year because I remember um, talking to uh, another author who was also indie publishing and in fact, she was a New York Times bestselling author, but she was uh, quite an influence on me then. Um, and she taught me a great deal about advertising and that sort of thing. She said the year 2010 was the when it really started to hit. And so I believe I believe her on that because she was already publishing then. So 2011, I'm thinking, oh gosh, maybe I missed the window, but I'm going to do this anyway. <laughs> So I'm really glad I did because boom, you know, Um, and, and that was really nice. I, I really, I love having people read my books. I I love it when they tell me they love my books. They want to live in my little town in Colorado and so on. So that's, that's wonderful. And um, now it's, the income from my books has dropped off considerably. I took, it dropped so much that I took my books out of Kindle Uh, the Kindle Unlimited program, and I went wide. So I'm on iTunes and I'm on Google Play and, and uh, Barnes and Noble. My income has reduced my book income, not my personal income. My, my book income has reduced uh, down to the probably 200, 200 a month now is a good month. And in, I used to sell thousands of books a month. Now I sell 50, 60, 70 books a month. And like I said, I don't feel that it's my book. It's not because of my books. It's because so many people are publishing now and there are so many choices. And advertising is still a mystery to me. So the advertising that used to have a tremendous positive impact is no longer working, or it's no longer available. I made the um, USA Today bestsellers list in 2013, and um, I I believe I sold. The, my history page says it was over 9,000 sales that month. My memory tells me over 10,000 sales, but it was actually in one week. You know that you have to sell a certain number of books in one week to make the list. Anyway, I made the list. I was very happy. I I didn't even know. It's my um my uh, writing <laughs> friend. Um, uh, she's the one who who called me on the phone and said, "I just checked the list. You just made the New USA Today bestseller list." And I said, "Oh, really?" And she said, "Yes. Go look. Go look." So I went and looked, and I said. Well, isn't that nice? And up to that point, I could have cared less about lists because that's not why I I didn't write to make a list. I wrote because all my life I wanted to share stories and I wanted to tell stories and entertain people with my stories, let them get away from real life and just enjoy themselves. And then I got that, I made that list. And ever since then, I have put it on every freaking book I have published.
0: <laughs> As you should. Yes. I I just want to follow up with that with the USA Today bestselling author. Did you, do you have like a, a did you print it out? Do you have a clipping? Do you have it anywhere uh, displayed? I, I did at one point, um,
1: I'd have to go look through my 2013 file box. I have no idea. It. I had it on a calendar marked and with a, a marker around the day that it showed up on the list and all of that. And I thought, oh, my God, yeah. this is so cool. And then, you know, time goes by and things change and you've got to start another box. And I have so many boxes of paperwork, you know, over the years because you're – you run a business when you sell on Amazon. You're running a business, and you have to you have to keep your paperwork for three full years to make sure you don't get audited and all that, which is why I have a CPA because the yes taxation is not my field, and it just freaked me out.
0: Oh yeah, that's what I think this is the last year that I'll be doing taxes by myself. I think next year I'm like, I just i can I can't. I don't I feel confident enough, but like not really. So, Not really. like I'll just give that to someone else. Please help yes.
1: me. <laughs> yes, and what's it's amazing because you know I I thought okay um, this is my second CPA. The first CPA was um, was inexpensive and also made mistakes. So the second CPA. Uh, higher-end CPA, uh, but used to working with writers and artists. I was just amazed. I thought, oh, I didn't even know about that. I, I, What form is this? I would just look through it after he did it. And I thought, oh my God. So I gladly pay him every year.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like I won't even be able to find that on my own. <laughs> yeah. I do want to add a Quick comment on um one of the other things when you were talking about earlier is that you, you know, the business has slowed down due to just like how insane the market is. But one of the things I was so impressed by um when I went back to look at your books that are currently on Amazon is just how many reviews you have. I have so many friends, you know, who've yes. who've been publishing for years and stuff. And even your more recent books have, more like those my friends will have struggled to get that number of reviews yeah. you know so it's kind of one of those where it's like the fans that have have stayed around you know are obviously very dedicated people so that's a wonderful thing
1: it is a wonderful thing and they come back and um the I think the I think my first romance in the Colorado Billionaires series um, oh, I don't know. It may have hit 700 reviews by now. Last time I looked, it was at 625 reviews. Um, the following books have fewer reviews. As they as the book gets newer, the reviews are fewer. But, mm-hmm. but I, you know, it's okay. And the only reason those reviews were hugely important to me during a certain period of time was um, back in the day, in 2012 and 2013, Indie authors had stood a really good chance of getting an advertisement with Bookbub. You know, Book, yes. that's no longer the case. Bookbub now only accepts about 20% of people who apply. and now the chances so and so many people apply now, but it's also so expensive. you know It used to be very doable. Uh, I think the fellow who originally owned it sold it. And so new ownership took over, and gradually over the years, those prices, especially for romance, have gone up enough. So um, back in the day, you could get an ad for $400 or $500 in that ballpark. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with BookBub. They have an incredible audience, and if I could get an ad with them, I would take it. Um, They've also instituted a, a different kind of advertisement, uh, for for like under a hundred dollars or something. I haven't checked their page, so if anybody's interested, go to BookBub, check their page, and and find these things out for yourself. Because I'm running on memory here. I haven't felt the need to go look for a while, so my numbers are not up to speed there. Uh, but they getting an ad on BookBub. I got two or three ads on BookBub in the early days, and that made a huge Huge difference in um, my sales and my visibility today. I I advertise a couple times a year on Amazon, but like I said, I I've I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to give them twenty thousand dollars back in advertising.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the hard part about being a, a self published author, but also just trad pub authors nowadays too. Just to be an author now, it's like yes. if you want to get people to read your book. The business yeah. aspect of it has to come so much in play. And it's just, it can be a struggle. It's a learning curve. You know, I've been to writers
1: conferences since I was in my thirties and, and they would tell you, you know, here's what you have to do to make it. And so you just make this list of things, you know, go to conferences, do pitches, do this, talk to editors, do this, dress for success, all these things. And you know, you check them off your list as you're going and you check all those things off and you go, I'm still not published. Uh, And um, uh, people have asked for my books. I got my most hopeful rejection was from, uh, I think, Tor. Uh, I wrote uh, one of my early books was science fiction. And the plot yeah. was fantastic, but my skill level was not there yet. So I have since rewritten that book. And it's actually published the first, it's eventually going to be a trilogy, but you can read the first book without feeling left out. Um, uh, and it's that sugar rising. So I had to rewrite the whole book, though. I said, oh, my God, you know, you go back and you look at what you used to do. So we're <laughs> growing all the time, getting better and Yeah. Growing.
0: yeah Yeah. which is a wonderful thing it's a great uh I always say that that's one of my favorite things about writing as a hobby and like as a profession is that like you can just keep getting better there's not a time limit on if anything more time gets you better
1: (laughs) you just keep going I my vampire books um are I love that universe I love playing in that universe um they don't sell nearly as well as contemporary romance but oh my goodness that's a fun place to go and i love the characters in those books so i'll probably write a third one but this year i'm writing a horror novel as my uh outside the box experiment Mm -hmm. i always have like you i have to have more than one project going at a time i have uh, a novella waiting in the wings that needs another 10,000 words and a you know, a feasible ending. Uh, I've got yeah. one book uh, with the formatter, uh, and that should hopefully come out in the next month or so. And then and that's nonfiction. And uh, so I'm writing the horror story, and I already have half my next romance outlined. So just, you know, constantly going. If I could write and publish 10 books a year, I'd probably be earning a lot more money. But. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, that's what um I was chatting with my friend, Brooke Passmore. I don't rem- remember if she was still making videos when you were uh, on yes, AuthorTube. I follow Brooke. Yeah. She was saying how her big thing, um, part of the reason she made the decision she did was just how to, what it feels like is to succeed in publishing. You have to be publishing four or five books a year in order to you know, mm-hmm. get a certain amount of revenue. She's like, I just can't do that. You know, and it's it's a tough spot to be. I do want to ask. So you've you've written horror, you've written contemporary romance, you've written your yes. vampire, um, series, and I mean, and sci-fi. Like, you've written in so many genres. And yes. do you notice any differences when you're outlining or prepping those genres, or like, is anything different to you? <laughs>
1: um. Yes, actually, I'm, it's like, there's this transformation in me. I'm a different person when I, now you may have seen the short story that I did on Kofi for Barrett-Laurie. Um, uh-huh. He, he asked me, he said, oh, do something besides romance. I said, okay. So I did this I, short story called, uh, uh, I think it's called The Patriot. And when I was writing that, I was aware of becoming a totally different inside person because when it took me a while to learn to write romance, you know, my intention when I started writing in my 20s, and actually I started at 13, but when I actually started seriously writing books, uh, trying to go somewhere with them, um, I realized that I wanted to write science fiction. I wanted to write science fiction, maybe horror and mysteries. Okay. So my first eight books, which never saw the light of day were in those genres. And, um, then I said, well, maybe I I'll try a romance because everybody says romances are the bestseller, Uh, and, uh, and Zara Hoffman will tell you that they keep, the rest of the industry afloat. Romance sales are what keep the publishing industry afloat. So I started reading romance. The New York Times author I, I mentioned to you, she, um, I would read her books. I think they're still available, by the way. Her, her name is Sandra Edwards. Uh, her, her author name is Sandra Edwards. And um, I learned to write romance by reading her books because I thought, well, I might as well She's on the New York Times bestseller list. I might as well read books by somebody who knows how to sell books. And it it did take time. It took, uh, I wrote three in a Silver State Romance series. And they were kind of like romantic suspense, but not quite. You know, it was like uh, uh, the hero saves the day, but he was like a private investigator and that. that it they were fun books to write and in fact it was the first romance was in that series that i ever wrote and that's the one that i got halfway through and i had a month before it i already put it you know announced that it was going to go live on such a date and uh, a month before it was supposed to go live i said i have to rewrite the entire second half of this book because you know, you spend all your time on the first half when you're trying the in the old days to get an editor or whatever. Your first three, four, five chapters are, you, that's, you're That's golden. And then you hit the halfway mark and suddenly you're just telling the plot. It's your outline. It's really not just. Yeah. So I, I rewrote the second half of that book in about three weeks. And I said, okay, now we know what it takes for me to actually write readable, enjoyable fiction. It takes the knowledge that strangers are going to read the book <laughs> because otherwise I'm telling myself the story and and I'm a, I am see images and movies in my head all the time. So all I need is a reminder. This is what happens in the story and the movie runs. But if I'm going to share those books with other people, I have to actually write the whole book. I can't just write the little reminders to myself. So, and since then, I've been told that my uh, uh, Colorado billionaires, I was told by my sister-in-law, who's a wonderful woman. She's read every every romance I've written. She said, you know, they're starting to get a little complex. Um, like, <laughs> Nick has... I have all these, I enjoy having a lot of threads going on. And and then the, the satisfaction comes at the end of the book. When you pull all those threads together, all the questions are answered. And the reader has this feeling of, oh, that was great. So I, I started doing that in my romance because that's the way I approach my uh, my other genres. And she said, it's getting too complex. I can't keep track of everything. (laughs) I said, okay, I I hear what you're saying. And I'll tone it down a little bit. But not in my my science fiction and my vampire books and my, you know, that sort of thing. I, I just, all those threads, I get to pull them together. And circling back to what started this part of the conversation was that short story on Kofi called The Patriot. I think... It was so cute. I got the greatest comments from, from um, Barrett because he he had read my romance and he said it was fine. He liked it. and But he didn't know I could write science fiction. <laughs> and it just kind of blew him out of the water. And so in order to do that, I feel inside that I become like a different, not person really, but a different writer. Also... A little hint. Well, your dad, your dad is a psychologist, correct? Yes. You did an interview with him, one of your interviews, and it was a lovely video. So you probably know what it is safe to say and not say when you're talking to a therapist. (laughs) But if a therapist and you happen to be a writer, do not tell them that the pictures roll in your head and the characters talk to you. That's a very dangerous thing to say. (laughs)
0: it always cracks me up because I have the same thing I literally when you said that I was like oh my gosh I'm I'm being attacked right now I'm being called out because I do the same thing I can just imagine the scene in my like I can have one bullet point and I have the whole thing just playing as a movie like I'm great I don't need anything else so then when I go back to all my drafts Every time is just being like, how can I make this more like the movie in my head so yes. other people can see it? Because I don't need the words. Like, I got it. They yeah. need the words.
1: That's it. That's the hardest thing for us. Because I, I felt that with you right away when you would talk about your writing experience. I said, oh, my God. You know, I felt like I was watching myself. Well, you know what I mean. It, yeah, yeah, yeah the things you were going through and feeling and sharing with us on your videos were things i had gone through and felt alone in my basement you know trying to get those words down trying to make it something worth reading that other people would enjoy so i yeah I really enjoy your videos <laughs> but,
0: so, See, I'm glad that someone's already been through this and is like, I, you're going to get there. That's what I'm hearing from this is that I, it will, it's a, it's a work in progress, but it's going to yeah, work.
1: It's the, the Patriot was a lot of fun to write. It's very short. And anybody can read it on Ko-Fi up for public viewing. Um, and, and that's my much closer, that's my science fiction voice. And then I have a horror voice uh, and I have a, uh, romance voice. I I probably have a mystery voice, but once I learned how to write romance, I said to myself, it took you a while to be able to write this. I, I My first romance that actually sold uh, well was A Marriage of Convenience. So that was the first one in my Colorado Billionaire series. And that sold very well. And the first three were a box set. And that's what put me on the USA Today list, um, the first three novels. And so I talk about the series put me on the list really because it was, but it's um it was so much fun and and now that I I'm really glad that that I discovered before I published the book that I needed to actually write the whole book and not just give myself plot reminders in the second half, um, so. <laughs> I'm really clear on show, don't tell, because I would show the first half of the book and tell the second half. And I thought, oh, my God. So that takes time, to You have to learn to, to get through that. Also, having a good editor helps. I've known my editor for 30 years. And uh, we met at a media convention, of all things. She used to do fanzines. Wow. And uh, I used to write fan fiction. so. Uh, and then she has grown in her career she writes regencies and uh, she also she has a uh a contemporary romance out as well under the name Colleen Ladd and um but um her editorial name is is um Marion Kelly and she's an excellent editor she has a website Ravensgate editing, I think, but she, she also has a very full schedule, so feel free to look at her website, feel free to contact her, but don't expect her to be able to take your book on in two weeks because she's booked out. She's first, you know, she has to have time to... She's a wonderful editor and um, she reminds me, she keeps me humble because... <laughs> <laughs> you know you think you oh yeah this is great oh i love this and then you know i'll get her comments back and she'll say um you've uh renamed this character four times in the last uh, three chapters <laughs> or you know that kind of thing and this is after yeah. i've been through it with a fine-tooth comb but we see what we think we're gonna see so you need that
0: editor. Oh, yeah. So you, she's not just your editor at this point. After years, she's your friend.
1: She's a wonderful friend, yeah. Who just happens to be a fantastic editor, so.
0: Yes, yeah. That's so nice, though. That's incredible. I strongly
1: advise people, as soon as they can afford it, to get themselves a professional editor. Um, until then, just do what you can. And if you have beta readers five or six or 10 beta readers who tell you, yeah, yeah, I paid money for this book. This book is really good. Or, you know, give you feedback and you improve the book or whatever. I would say, go ahead and publish on Amazon because if it turns out that nobody buys your book and that embarrasses you, you can unpublish your book, you know, I, I, I guess I'm, I've always been afraid to do the thing, the first thing, you know, I've always took me forever to get my account set up on Amazon because I I felt the need to read through every line of the terms of service. And uh, back then there were only 35 pages of legalese, you know, it took me 10 hours. (laughs) Yeah. And there were still two paragraphs I didn't understand. So I said, you know what, Linda, thousands of people are selling books on Amazon just Hit the I agree button and let's get started. But I had to learn everything inch by inch as I went. Yeah. You know, I love it now. I I have all these friends on YouTube and and um, which is great because you know at my age you don't see a lot of people during the day. So I, I, I love that networking and that communication, and you know, I think that's wonderful. And my books. My books, I have readers, and the more people who read my books, the happier I am. But I'm much less focused on the money from the books. I mean, it was glorious to have four really good years on Amazon. Yeah. Well, that was really nice. <laughs> but on the other hand, when, I, when my uh, uh, sales numbers dropped to the point where i was only bringing in a hundred or two hundred a month i thought you know cuz i i don't have a day job but i have a pension okay so i don't have to rely on my books to pay my bills that's mm-hmm. complete transparency okay so that's why i said earlier don't quit your day job because you don't yeah. know when it's going to come in or when it's going to stop flowing when the money started shriveling I at first I was really bothered and I thought wait a minute you're writing the same books you're writing the same quality or quality improves with every book Uh, but the situation Amazon is a business so when they change things they're going to change it so that it benefits Amazon not necessarily so it benefits me and that's okay because you know that's the way the world works And I said to myself, you know, if you're not going to be making, you know, thousands of dollars a month, then it's really easy to allow yourself to work on your vampire books and your science fiction and your horror. So I really feel I'm fine with, with, with my sales right now. I don't care that I'm not making a lot of money right now because it totally freed me to go back and start working on the science fiction and the horror and all of that. So I'm really in a happy place right now. Yeah. Very happy.
0: That's amazing. Cause I, I think that's such a great way of looking at it and seeing the positive or, you know, either situation. I've always wondered about those people who are, who are still selling really well, but they're having to publish, you know, 10 books a year. And I'm like, yeah. are you, is this, I mean, obviously that's their income that they're relying on, but I sometimes wonder as writers, you know, we're kind of artists first, business people second. Um, I sometimes wonder if the artist in them doesn't feel as fulfilled as they would like, but they need to keep doing it. And it's, yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, if someone wants to make a living as a writer, they should watch Michelle Schusterman. And because she talks about, how how to become a ghostwriter and how to how to move in that area of writing and how to make an income from that while you also work on your own books that you get credit for. And I can't recommend her channel more highly because you know she's it's like you. If people aren't watching you, then they are not watching AuthorTube. You know, I mean there's certain <laughs> people on Authortube that have street cred, you know, you, have you've been doing it a long time. When, when your books start selling, you're going to get to the point in your career where you're going to just probably accidentally, uh, write something in a genre that the universe is just ready to go crazy with. Uh, and, and you'll, you'll have the same thing. You'll find yourself, you'll have a nice big bubble, um, I wrote that first marriage of convenience and it just so happened that marriage of convenience took off and it wasn't, you know, my book was good. I mean, I try to write the best book I can, but you know, I don't aim for the great American novel because I want to entertain people. I I don't want to be an assignment in an English class in a college somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) I want people to laugh and cry and, you know, One of the nicest um, letters I ever got for my uh, romances came from a man whose wife was terminally ill. And he wrote to me and said, I just wanted to thank you for your Colorado Billionaire's books because my wife is terminally ill and she's been reading your books for the last few weeks. And for the first time in over a year, she has been laughing. he said it's wonderful she's enjoying herself she it really gets her out of herself you know and that just really touched my heart and I thought that's why I write these books I want people to be carried away it's like the vampire books you know um Becca was one of my readers for the for she had an arc for the vampire series and she read both books and oh my god she she had the perfect reaction I said that's it that's it I don't care if anybody (laughs) else reads that book. I obviously wrote that book for (laughs) (laughs) Beppa. So, you know, it's still all about the writing.
0: Well, that's so impressive after uh, 12 books in the series. Do you have a plan to ever stop the series? Or is it one of those where it's like, I mean, they make you happy. They make readers happy. You just keep going. I'm
1: I'm, uh, working on the outline for number 13. Um, mm-hmm. But I also have the three in Silver State Romance. I also have a series of shorter reads. I have Now and Forever Romance. Those are uh, available in a box set, but they are like hour-long stories, not related to Colorado billionaires. They're contemporary romance. Um, all of my romance is sweet and clean. But Amazon is now what they say, sweet, clean romance, um, because I will shut the bedroom door. I shut the bedroom door. Now, things get a little bit spicier in my vampire books and in my uh, uh, science fiction, that sort of thing. Um, but if, if I think some 12-year-old might pick up my book and read it, I uh, there's nothing in there that's going to hurt a 12-year-old or, or yeah. a year old or whatever, you know. So, yeah. So, I'll probably continue writing Colorado Billionaires, although I'm slower now. Because I want to write other things as well. So uh, there will be number 13 will be coming out hopefully before the end of the year. Um, I'm writing it concurrently with the horror novel. And after that, we'll see what happens because you never know what's going to happen. But um, my brother who passed away a year ago, he read everything I wrote. And he told me that was the greatest thing he'd ever written or ever read. And he's not a romance reader. He says, no, oh, it's like reading a little mystery and, you know, you've got everything. And he says, it's fun and it's, you know, there's nothing gnarly in it. He said, I really like it. I said, you are the sweetest brother on the planet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's so um, nice. That yeah, great, so... And so I'll probably continue writing those. The majority of my fans know that series.
0: I, I see that series dying. I did want to ask because I when I was I was trolling along your Amazon page, I did see oh, that um you have uh, <laughs> book one of the Colorado Billionaires. You translated into Spanish, and I know you yes. speak Spanish, but did you do the translation of that, or did you pay someone to do that?
1: No, I paid someone. I paid a native speaker okay. to do that. Um, someone I knew and uh, who was who I I trusted to do a good job with it. Um, yes. I had a couple I have a couple out in German but they never sell and I have no idea because I don't speak German. I speak mm-hmm. Spanish and French and Basque and some Russian and I can read a few other languages but but I only write in English because the, the nuance that you put into your uh, work is very difficult to translate. I have translated mm-hmm. other people's books into English, so I, I know what's involved and what kind of dynamic goes on when you're trying to do that. So, but the, I still, the Spanish translation, la fuerza de la Boda still sells occasionally but it's um, much lesser known and has not been profitable at all. And so I thought that's okay. I have one out there, so that's enough. And the same thing with audiobooks. I have that book, uh, 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 the wedding wager, that first one in series is also available on audible, uh, but I have not had any of the others recorded yet because one it's, it take it takes time away from when you're a one-woman operation. There's a lot that goes into ACX and getting juggling things with people who are recording for you and it, auditions and choices and and proofreading and all of that. And and I just said, okay, I did one, it took a huge chunk out of my writing time. And it it sells, but it's doesn't sell enough to make up for all of that. So I thought, okay, I'm not I'm not too worried about Audible books, you know. Um yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Those are just choices you have to make. Some people want all their books on audio and Audible, and that's great. If you can do that, that's great because people love to listen to audiobooks. Uh, but I just I can either write the new story or I can put the old story on an Audible. And I I You know, I'm over 70 and I you know, I just want to keep writing. (laughs) I mean, how not to be morbid, but, you know, you reach a certain age and you go, how many books will I get done before I can't do this anymore? And and I just decided that I just wanted to write the stories. So,
0: Yeah. 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 No, that's it's an excellent point that we have, you know, limited time just in our day uh, yeah. that we have to make these choices as creatives to be like, okay, well, am I going to focus on like, you're juggling two projects, but obviously if, if it was possible to clone yourself and write like, yes. <laughs> you know, in projects at once, like, of course we would do it, of you know, because we just want to explore.
1: Great. <laughs> I'd love to do that. I want to be writing the third vampire book. I want to be writing the next two volumes of mind flesh saga. I want to, you know, be doing all of that. And so. <sighs> But you know, you need to sleep and yeah. And then, and then there are the dogs, you know, and you have to spend time with the babies. And then there's the piano. I'm an amateur, I'm an amateur, but uh, I've always wanted to play. And one of the things I did when I started selling books back in 2011, um, by 2012, I had bought myself a keyboard and started lessons. And then, during the fat years I said well I've always wanted my own piano and if I don't go get it now when will I get it so I have a standing grand um and his name is Andy Panda because he's a (laughs) and I that's I just love it I I study music theory because I find it fascinating and I do lessons online because I two lessons a month that's not enough you know i have yeah only a half hour lessons so i go online and i pay half of what i would pay for a regular lesson in person during for a month and i can take a lesson every day i can do lessons over and over i just love it i just love it so
0: yeah that's so awesome i love that you Uh, recognize that you needed to uh, treat yourself (laughs) and and get you get your piano. Yeah. Get you something that you enjoy with your work. Yes,
1: I have. And and so I, I feel like, well, you know, it's okay. You, you've done a few things for yourself. You know, one of the fun things I did was uh, a friend and I went and visited her family in New York and, and I'm, I'm doing better now, but I had to have both hips replaced and I, Oh, wow. I healed quickly, but my body did not recover quickly. Does that make sense? It's like, yeah. I, yeah. And so I'm finally starting to feel like uh, I have normal walking abilities and stuff. And I told her, I said, well, I'll go to New York with you and visit your family. But we are going first class because I can't sit in coach. I can't do that. I'm in too much pain. So." We, um, flew first class to New York and then, uh, as a reciprocal gift, she set up a trip to, um, Yankee stadium and, uh, we got to see a game in the cathedral (laughs) and, uh, it was wonderful. We, We just had a wonderful trip, but so I've done things like that. You know, I, I like to share with my friends and everything.
0: Yeah. That's so nice. I feel like, uh. Yeah, we only have we only have one life. We gotta we gotta yeah. treat ourselves while we're here and yeah. enjoy it with the people That's that right. that are here with us. Yeah. yeah,
1: the only downside to making less money is not being able to fly first class.
0: <laughs> that is a very fair, very fair point. Yeah, i've I've never flown first class, but I guarantee you, I would have done the same if I was making uh, that kind of money from my writer, from you know, an act, yeah. a hobby, activity, passion. I would be like, I'm yeah. definitely trying to fly yeah,
1: first I, class. I it wasn't last forever, so I thought, you know what, we're we're flying first class, kiddo. So because I want to, yeah, <laughs> never yeah. first class either, and she was like, oh this is just <laughs> Well, they came and asked, did you want cereal or fruit for breakfast? And she said, I don't want breakfast, you know, airplane food. And then the flight attendant brought my breakfast and it was first class. So it's like this huge platter of fruit and, 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 um, uh, pastries and all of this stuff. And my friend looks at me and says, can I change my mind? <laughs> I said Yes, you can.
0: Your first class. Of course you can.
1: <laughs> but That was, it was fun to do because you know, when, when else in our lives are we going to be able to do that? Unless we just get a little extra bonus, you know? Um, I do want to finish off
0: with uh, one final question I have for you. And this might be, if you're like, I have no idea that is more than fair. Um, but as someone who's been in the self-publishing industry for a, a decade now, over a decade now, yeah. do you have any idea for any guesses of what you think the next decade might bring? Um,
1: oh, wow. Wow. For indie publishing? um, Yeah. All I, I really do not know what's going to happen in the future. All I know is that regardless of all the complaints you hear about Amazon, you know, and and it's okay. People can complain. That's fine. When Amazon went live and I found out that there was a way for me to get my books to readers, I was a very happy camper. And I wrote a thank you letter to Jeff Bezos. So this was quite a long time ago. And so to me, it's all an adventure, you know, and, 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 So who I have no idea what's going to happen next. I'm just going to keep doing what makes me happy. And if I happen to hit on another pocket of, Oh, this kind of book is really selling right now. Well, good for me. And if I don't, I'm, I'm
0: not worried about it. So. If you don't, you're still writing what you want to, what you want to write. Yeah. That's the best advice. All right, Regina. Well, can you let the people know where they can find you online or, uh, what you've got coming out next. Well,
1: I the horror novel hopefully will come out this year and so will another romance. Um, the nonfiction is um, titled writing plomps for romance. And um, it is uh, a, a book of encouragement. It's my second nonfiction. I also wrote um, one called being your own cheerleader, self-help for writers, being your own cheerleader. Um, this one has writing prompts, and then I talk people through the book, like, you can do this, and and try this, and if that's not working, try this. And then there are 24, I think, 24 chapters in the book, and at the end of each of the chapters is a, a selection, a thousand words or so, from one of my novels, so how I use the prompts myself. And so here's what I did with them, you know, now, but you know, then you read the prompts, you write your own scene, then you can read mine and see, oh, oh, you did that. Oh, okay. So that kind of thing, sharing. I you love know. that. Yeah. yeah. So that's the one that's in formatting right now.
0: That's so awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me, Regina.
1: You are so welcome.
0: It's been a joy. Oh man, oh man. I had so much fun chatting with Regina. I especially loved the end of the episode where we were just talking about, you know, ways to celebrate, uh, you know, not only in times of success, but also treating yourself for, you know, trying something new, putting yourself out there, submitting, sharing your work. That's something that I've I've made a mental note to get better at. Um, So, you know, that's that first stage of growth, right? You know, recognizing that you need to do a thing. Uh, I don't know that I've perfectly put it into action yet. But it is something that I'm going to take Regina's lead on and try to get better at. And as I'm actually filming the outro for this episode a little bit later, a couple weeks after the fact, I did want to share that my co-writer and I did receive a rejection letter from Hallmark, but I consider that to be a huge success in itself. That means we tried, right? Um, I actually asked her since she sent it from her email, I asked her to forward it to me think I'm going to print it out and put it up somewhere. I'm debating making this year a sort of year of trad pub submissions. I think that would be really fun. So I have a couple short story contests um, or magazines that I've looked into that I'd like to submit to. So just just things I'm going to play around with and kind of take Regina's lead on that sci-fi fantasy short story angle. I'm still waiting to hear back on my personal submission to the Hallmark open submissions, but uh, fingers crossed. Either way, I'm I'm proud of myself for doing the thing. <laughs> and now I just need to find a way to celebrate even the rejection, uh, potential rejection, you know, fingers crossed, Antos. But that's going to be it for this episode. I will, of course, have all of Regina's links in the show notes. And if you'd like to support this podcast or recommend an artist for me to interview, you can find us at Kofi.com. That's K-O-F-I.com slash art As always, you can find me as Kate Kavanaugh writes on YouTube, Twitch, and Instagram. And my website is readwriteroom.blog. The music for Making Money Making Art was created by the amazingly skilled and talented Maggie Vidal. And I will see you all next week. Happy creating.
1: Making
0: money, making art. Isn't it funny? Start making money, making